0: You're listening to the sermon series on the letter to the Philippians at Sojourn Church Midtown. In this letter, the apostle Paul calls believers to live on the earth now as citizens of heaven. This means that Christians should find their identity, not in this world, but in the world to come centered on Jesus Christ. Good morning, Sojourn Midtown. I pray that you are doing uh, well this morning and, uh, Many of us, we entered into 2020 uh, with uh, aspirations and goals like this. But instead, 2020 has actually turned out to be more like this. And it's a good thing that even though this year has been hard and uh, has been confusing, has been frustrating, uh, that as Christians, uh, we still have hope. We have hope because we have God's word. And so I'm excited today to continue our series, uh, Citizens um, of Heaven, through the book of Philippians uh, this morning. Last week, we looked at the fellowship of the gospel. And this week, we're going to look at the furtherance of the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel. So let's pray and then we'll dive right in. Uh, Dear Father, I pray that you would just have mercy on our our souls and on our minds to allow us to be able to, to focus on that which is true, good, and beautiful, your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are your sheep. We are the sheep of your pasture. So feed us even now until we want no more. Lord, would you give me clarity and power through your word, spirit. Would you use your word and my words to encourage, to bring hope, As many of us are tired as a result of the pandemic, as well as a result of the injustices and mourning them and lamenting them and and voicing our voice for justice. So refresh us, renew us and give us peace. Even now in Christ's name. Amen. Well, many. Literary masterpieces were created by authors while they were in less than ideal circumstances. And all you have to do is Google it. Google authors who wrote masterpieces while in prison or while in quarantine, so to speak. And dozens of different works will will come up. Uh, There are particularly two that uh, are my favorite. One being John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, This Christian allegory, which was written by a preacher who was also a shoe cobbler, uh, was written while he was in prison for preaching the gospel a part of the official church of England. And the Pilgrim's Progress is the second best-selling book of all time. Another book or another writing Uh, that is also a masterpiece that was written while another Christian was in prison, is uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s "A Letter to a Birmingham Jail. Uh, Dr. King's famous essay was written in the form of an open letter in April of 1963. And while Dr. King was in jail for participating in a civil rights demonstration in Birmingham, Alabama, he uh, wrote a response to eight white clergymen who had written an open letter critiquing heavily um, his demonstration of nonviolent civil protests. And so Dr. King uh, takes time to respond to them while in jail for participating in nonviolent civil protests. And he writes this literary masterpiece explaining why uh, the movement could not wait and why moderate white Christians needed to wake up and stand up for freedom, justice, and equality. And if you have never read that letter, I want to encourage you to read that letter. There you see the heart of Dr. King and the mind that God gifted him with, and the passion for God's justice. But the third masterpiece, and and the most important prison masterpiece that was ever written, is what we have in front of us. It is the the book of Philippians, which was written by the Apostle Paul. Here, the Apostle pens a Christ-centered, joy-filled, Church unifying, Satan terrifying, stronghold shattering letter while on house arrest in Rome. And today we are going to see that he did this and was able to write such a powerful letter because he cultivated a mind that loved Christ and that saw Jesus as the goal of his life. And even though Paul was bound in prison, chained with just 18 inches of freedom to a a Roman soldier, the gospel of Jesus Christ was not bound. And this gospel allowed him to be more free than most of us have been while on quarantine. This gospel had allowed him to be more free than most of us feel even when we are at our best. And today's passage is going to lead us to ponder questions from today's question, from today's questions. Two questions in particular. What if we responded to circumstances with confidence that God could use them to advance His gospel in our city? What if we allowed the gospel to do its work in our heart like Paul allowed the gospel to work in his heart to to such a an extent that we were able to respond to life circumstances. Believing that God could use them no matter what they were to further the gospel in our own lives, in our own city. And then second, what if we didn't respond to our circumstances with hopelessness, but instead with hope because we believe that Christ Jesus were for us. In essence, today, I want to look at how our setbacks as Christians can possibly be God's setups, how our setbacks can possibly be God's greatest setups ups. Through us and for his glory. And even before we dive into today's outline, I want to let you know that I'm indebted to many pastors and scholars, of course, as I study each week, but I'm especially this week indebted to Warren uh, Wisby and his uh, commentary on Philippians called Be Joyful. As he lays out just a, a really great outline that I want to follow today, and it's this. The first thing we are going to look at today is Paul's chains. The second thing we're going to look at is Paul's critics. And the third thing, which is uh, my verbiage, is Paul's Christ. Paul's critics, I'm sorry, Paul's chains, Paul's critics, and then Paul's Christ. Paul's chains, Paul's critics, and then Paul's Christ. Verse 12, Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Paul here is in chains, as I said. And we see that Paul's plans have been flipped upside down, just like many of our plans this year have been flipped upside down. We went into this year expecting and wanting one thing. We went into this year with expectations 2020 was supposed to be the best year. 2020 was going to be a year of of breakthrough, a, a year of, of happiness, a year of, of, of our uh, goals coming into fruition. But what many of us have experienced is the complete opposite. We see that 2020 has been a year of quarantine as well as a year of racial upheaval. And my question to us, Sojourn Midtown, is what if God wants to use these uh, humanly speaking setbacks for gospel setups. For gospel setups. For gospel setups. Paul understood that God can use even his weaknesses to bring him glory. Paul was a missionary who longed to get to Rome as a preacher. Uh, we see this throughout uh, the book of Acts, that, that Paul wanted to go to Rome as this influential city to preach the gospel. But instead, he went to Rome as a prisoner. In Acts, uh, we, we read that, that Paul was illegally arrested um, in the temple uh, of Jerusalem. The Jews thought that he was desecrating their temple by bringing in Gentiles. And the Romans thought that he was an Egyptian reneg- renegade who was on the most wanted list. And so as a result, Paul was uh, in prison. And for two years, he appealed to Caesar uh, for his freedom. And even while appealing to uh, Caesar and being sent to Rome on his way to Rome, we read that Paul is going to be shipwrecked. He's going to be uh, uh, sent, uh, stranded on an island for three months um, before he is actually able to go to Rome. And once he gets to Rome, he's going to be on house arrest, chained next to Roman guards. And he says in verse 12 that all this has happened to Advance the gospel. Some translations say for the furtherance of the gospel. And this word furtherance or advanced in the Greek um, is a, a picture of a pioneer. It's actually a military term referring to army engineers who would go before troops to open the way to new territory. Paul saw his setbacks as setups to further the gospel, to advance the gospel. And he was able to do this because he did not look at his circumstances first and then Christ, but rather he looked at his circumstances through the lens of Christ. Paul did not see himself as one who was chained to a guard, but rather he saw the guards being chained to him. And when we see each and every circumstance through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of his mission, it changes our experience. What if? What if that difficult marriage? What if your challenging school situation? What if that difficult job was a testimony for Christ where one would not be able to experience him otherwise? What if God wanted to use this time of quarantine and wanted to use this time of of racial upheaval and, and horrific injustices in this city as a moment where Christ's church would come together as one to further his mission. Last week, right here in Shelby Park, the unimaginable happened. As reported by WDRB, a church by the name of Little Flock Missionary Baptist Church, which was founded in 1867, was shot up by what is believed and initially reported to be uh, white males terrifying uh, or uh, uh, serving almost as terrorists um, to this historic African-American church. Uh, gunshots uh, riddled the building, burst through the glass doors, and I had the opportunity to briefly uh, talk to their pastor, who's a, a legendary uh, gospel figure in this uh, community, Bernard Creighton. And I got to hear about how encouraged he's been as uh, brothers and sisters of Christ of all ethnicities and colors. And churches throughout the city has reached out to this church um, to show their support and solidarity, but also to support uh, monetarily. And we as a church got to do so as well. What if God wanted to use these horrific situations to be able to send a clear signal to all of Louisville that the church here is about gospel ministry and gospel business and that God's people were going to further his plan. Paul wasn't chained a chained prisoner Paul was free those who were chained to him were those who were bound look at verse 13 so he says that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ's most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. So Paul is boasting that even through his, his imprisonment, that the gospel is being shared. While he was on house arrest, it is expected and it was done in Rome that those who were in house arrest um, were uh, chained uh, to soldiers. And these soldiers would come in and out through the day, sometimes four to six soldiers a day to one prisoner who was on house arrest. And while Paul is on house arrest, he is preaching the gospel to these soldiers so much so that we see at the very end of the book of Philippians, Paul says that all of Caesar's household sends greetings to you. God was using Paul's imprisonment to get the gospel to the highest places in Caesar's household. And it was very likely that if Paul had spent years and years in Rome preaching the gospel, that it would not have had the same effect. Paul's chains was used for God's glory. And I know that many of us are hurting. We're in desperate situations, painful situations. But what if God could use that? to further his gospel. Second, not only do we see Paul's chains in this text, but we also see Paul's critics. Verse 15 through 20, we read, to be sure some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble for my imprisonment. So Paul has some critics. And throughout Paul's ministry, he was always very well aware of his critics. I'm reminded by his words in First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, where he says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has opened to me, yet many oppose me. God opens doors for us to minister, sometimes unlikely doors and doors that we did not expect. But if God opens a door for us, we ought to expect opposition. Satan is not going to allow us to just uh, walk through open doors of ministry without there being a fight. We are in spiritual warfare. Uh, we are uh, going up against Satan's kingdom and Satan's stronghold. And I truly believe that that is what's happening all throughout the United States. And that is happening even in the church right now as we seek to be a Bible-believing Gospel preaching, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-cultural church. We ought to know that there is going to be opposition and there's going to be opposition in this city. But what if, like Paul, rather than meeting our critics blow for blow, word for word, with anger and bitterness and strife. What if we saw this as an opportunity to further the gospel? I love what the Apostle uh, Paul uh, does here. He says, I know in 1 Corinthians 16 9, I know that a wide door for effective ministry has been opened for me, but I also know that opposition is coming. I'm reminded by Nehemiah chapter 6 and 3 when he was seeking to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem, how he said, I am doing important work and I cannot come down. I cannot come down. And even now know that the Lord is doing an important work in our church and God wants to do important work in our city, but we cannot get sidetracked with people who are are critical of us. Look at what verse 18 Paul says. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Because I know that this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. Rather than allow Paul's critics, rather than allow them to make him bitter, Paul allows it to make him better. Because he has such a Christ-centered perspective. He says, if Christ is being preached, I don't care. These troublemakers can give me a hard time. Now, why was these troublemakers giving him a hard time? Paul says more than likely it was because they had envious hearts. Paul's ministry was growing. And even though he was in jail, he was popular amongst many churches. He had seen many people come to faith. He was considered to be a part of, of the apostles, a very small group. And so there were some opportunists who, who saw him in prison and rather than celebrate him as a faithful preacher, they sought to discount his ministry, to put shame upon him, to, to question whether or not he was truly a man of God. And Paul tells the church of Philippi, I am not fixated on that as long as Jesus Christ is preached and proclaimed. And perhaps Paul's invitation for you in the midst of your circumstance is to not focus completely on your circumstance, but to focus on your savior. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Said, and this was a a huge part of his ministry. These words, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. I love that about Dr. King throughout his ministry. He constantly preached peaceful, Nonviolent protests. He constantly preached a message of love, saying, Don't let anyone pull you away from the main thing. And that's my word to you as you may be fighting for justice, as you may be put in hard situations, to not lose sight on what's most important and who's most important. And that's Jesus. To not lose sight on the fact that we fight for justice. Because we believe that all men were created in the image of God. We fight for justice because we believe that God is a just God. We fight for justice not believing that we are the solution, but that we are signs that point to the solution, that point to a Savior who is beautiful, who is true, who is good, who is faithful, and who is coming back again. And our goal as Sojourn Midtown is to fill up our city with gritty disciple makers to reach, build, and to send people out into this dark world as those who are able to rejoice. Even in the midst of hard situations, as those who are able to have hope, even in the, situ- in the midst of situations that seem hopeless because we have received hope. Which brings us to our last point, and that's Paul's Christ. Verse 21 through 26, Paul writes, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I could choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ will abound. Here we see the beautiful heart of Paul. Paul is wrestling as he is in this Philippian jail, chained to soldiers on mission for Jesus. He is saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is gay. And here we see the secret. Here we see the secret to how to remain faithful to Christ's mission, faithful uh, to the gospel, even when we are in hurtful circumstances. And the way we remain faithful is by remembering that the goal to life is Jesus. The goal to life is not being right. The goal to life is not the abundance of possessions. The goal of, 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 of life is, is Jesus. It's Jesus. And Paul was so fixated on Jesus that he said, if I had to sum my whole experience up in a sentence, it's that life is Christ. He concluded that life is Christ because he was found by Christ. And he believed that Christ was so beautiful that to die, Meant to be with him. And it was gain. But he wrestled. He wrestled. There was a part of him as he was ending his ministry that wanted to be with Jesus. But there was also a part of him that wanted to remain so that he could continue to help to cultivate a joy filled Christ centered faith in the church of Philippi. Paul was living with a single mind and that single mind was on Jesus. And the question that I want to pose as we draw to a conclusion is, is how do we do that today? How do we live with a, a contentment and a love for Jesus that leads us to see all of our circumstances through the lens of Jesus rather than seeing our circumstances and then getting to Jesus? Well, one, I think like Paul We have to encounter the real Jesus, not a nationalistic version of Jesus, not a prosperity gospel version of Jesus, not a genie version of Jesus, but a real version of Jesus. Paul experienced this real Jesus one day on the road of Damascus. The Bible says that he was a very zealous man. He was a religious man, but he had not yet truly met the one true living God. And one day Jesus knocked him off of his donkey, knocked him off of his high horse and revealed himself to Paul. And Paul was able to encounter this real Jesus. He was able to find forgiveness of sin. He was able to find reconciliation, reconciliation with Him. And as a result, he is able to conclude that his whole life had to be reevaluated in light of this Jewish Nazarene uh, Messiah who revealed himself to him. But we encounter this type of heart for Jesus also by prioritizing our relationship with Jesus. Once Paul experienced this Jesus, this real Jesus, He took time to get to know him, to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that in the book of Galatians that Paul got away for three years and went to Arabia. And we don't know all that happened while Paul got away to Arabia but I imagine that in that time, Paul was abiding with Christ. He was rereading the Old uh, Testaments. Uh, he was interviewing other Christians. Perhaps he even uh, went to Mount Sinai like, like Moses and others who went before him to seek the face of Yahweh, to see what God was saying to him. And through that time, in the hidden place, Away from, uh, from other people, he cultivated a true living relationship with Jesus. And the way that we cultivate a heart that says that life is about Christ, not these other things, is by cultivating an intimate relationship with them is by abiding in him. And that's why Paul was able to say to the church of Philippi, despite having critics and despite being in chains, that as long as Christ is proclaimed, he can rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because he had a relationship with Jesus that was satisfying. him. third is by surrendering our future to Jesus, our, our sovereign king. Paul was able to say to live is Christ and to die is gain because Paul, as we'll see in Philippians chapter four, had grown and matured to a place where he was able to finally have contentment in his heart. Whether he was doing well or not doing well, he was able to learn to be content. He was able to surrender his life to Jesus. Even we read in in the book of Acts When Paul is uh, headed to Rome and uh, uh, a storm hits and they are are shipwrecked, that while everyone else is going crazy and freaking out, Paul is asleep on the ship and he is at peace and God gives him a dream and he stands up and he speaks to everyone else who is on the ship with him and is able to give them a, a word of assurance that they were going to get through it because Paul had learned to go with the tide of life, to not hold life and his plans with a tight fist but to say if God has brought this to me he's going to bring me through if God has chained me to these prisoners he he sees that this is is for my good and his glory If God has brought poverty to me in this season, it's not because he is against me or because he hates me or because I've done something wrong. It's because in his grand scheme of things, he has a plan not only for me, but for the people who are around me. And even now in the city of Louisville, while people and we and many of us are are protesting and and marching and and praying and, and working for justice, for Brianna and justice for George Taylor and justice for the African-American community who has in many ways been marginalized and historically have been hurt. We can do this with hope knowing that God has positioned us in this city, in this neighborhood for such a time as this to have gospel hope so that when we come and, and, and brush up against people who are fighting for the same cause, we can fight in a different way because we know Jesus. This Jesus who picked us up and turned us around, who, and who placed our feet on a solid ground. This, this Jesus who puts us in tough situations, but who d- does not leave us there, nor does he abandon us. We're able to enter into these situations, remembering that if God has brought us to it, he will bring us through it. And we can do this remembering what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has been a comfort to us before. Jesus has been a a way maker before. Jesus has met us in our emotional upheaval before. Jesus has cleared the dark clouds of depression for us before. Jesus has provided our every need sometimes supernaturally before Jesus has given us a, a peace of of mind that surpasseth all peace before Jesus is able to do exceedingly above and beyond and he is the same God yesterday today and forever and he can give us the same type of joy that Paul had um, even in the midst of quarantine even in the midst of COVID even in the midst of our year being turned upside down, Jesus can give us the strength that we need to further his gospel. May we be amazed today at what God did through one man who allowed God to set him on fire for his glory. May we be amazed at the fact that Caesar's household came to faith through a man who was imprisoned. And may we believe that God can use our circumstances, our difficult marriage, our depression, our sadness. Our cries for justice. Our current state. To help people to know this one who saved us as we were hell bound for his glory. Christian, we have already received the riches of eternal life and we have dwelling within us and through God's word, the key to abundant life. And God wants to use us to advance and pioneer his mission to eyes who have not seen him and ears who have not heard him in the way that we have seen him and heard of him. Let's not forfeit our circumstances. Let's further the gospel. And every Sunday we're reminded by the fact that God can do more with our brokenness than we can ever imagine. We're reminded by that by looking to the broken body of Jesus, by looking to his shed blood. We take a meal together, break bread, dip it in wine or juice. The wine, of course, is marked by twine. Whatever our conscience permits to remind us that out of evil, good can come. That it Satan tried to defeat Jesus by breaking his body, but through his broken body, millions of people would come into the kingdom. That God can use a shot up historic African-American church to unify churches in a community and to bring solidarity for his glory. God is in the business of using setbacks as gospel setups. Let's believe that. We're not going to take communion uh, today. We're going to uh, continue to long for the day, which will be in July, for us to take communion together as a family. But let me pray for you. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com Midtown.